0: Hello, welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that hosts powerful, imperfectly perfect conversations and shines the light on amazing individuals and their work in order to empower young people, teachers, educators, leaders, and parents to live a happy and fulfilled life and most importantly, to flourish. We really hope you enjoy all our conversations. Welcome to another Powerful Imperfectly Perfect conversation for the Flourishing Education podcast. Today, I am beyond excited, um, and you'll see why listeners in a minute, to, uh, you know, welcome and introduce you to uh, PJ Jackson. So uh, PJ's author and leading authority on career, career development and women in business. She brings, you know, really positive energy like no other. Um, And again, you'll see why. She's truly one of a kind. After three decades of influencing change in federal government, defense, and the aerospace industry, PJ is now influencing personal transformation. So she's drawing on her own inspiring story. And she teaches others to ground themselves in positive self-image and to find their true center. A very warm welcome to the podcast, PJ.
1: Thank you, Phoebe. And I'm
0: so excited to be here. (laughs) It's just wonderful. So, um, listeners, the reason we're both excited is that, and I know that you're in for a treat, is because I've spoken to PJ several times, and she is probably... The, the the most heart-centered human being I've come across ever um so yeah I just can't wait to see where this conversation takes us um so PJ let's start with um when we first spoke you 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 kindly well you obviously told, told me about all your work and then you mentioned your book the labyrinth influence Um, I bought the uh, audible copy because I wanted to listen to it straight after speaking to you and then you kindly sent me a copy which for the listeners you're not you can't see if you're if you're listening rather than watching the video Um, but this is the book so let's start about let's start with this book because it's such a such a beautiful moving story Um, and perhaps with the fact that um you haven't given a name to your character so do you want to tell us about that the reasons behind it and then the story and why you wrote the book oh gosh okay you
1: know we we don't have all day so that's going to be tough to just sort of put it in a little (laughs) nutshell um the inspiration for the book came from my doctoral advisor i had um retired from industry uh, to be a caregiver for my husband who was sick with leukemia the second time. And he and I had a conversation, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And he said, You've always been such a mentor to everyone. You should write another book. And I was like, Okay. Like what? He goes, Well, like who moved my cheese, right? Sort of a parable of what people need to do without telling them what they need to do and i was i was intrigued so it was like hmm, okay I, I can do this and and so the labyrinth comes from in 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 the book the labyrinth is explained at a retreat which i spent a lot of my time at um the actual labyrinth walking happened when my husband was dying. And he was in the hospital and he, he was, um, he was only given a short time to live. And so I had never walked a labyrinth before. So what is so amazing about this story is it takes this real life experience and places it in this environment that I also had journeyed through and gives it this parable. That's why it's the woman. Because if I were to say, oh, this is PJ, or this is Fabienne, or this is Sally or Mary, people would go, oh, I'm watching that person journey through the story. Isn't that a nice story? But when you call the character, the woman, people become immersed in the character and they can feel the character as themselves. I get that so often from my readers. They'll write me and say, oh my God, you wrote this story about my life. <laughs> and it just comes through that way. And so it was um, it was just such a joy to write. And what people don't know is, so the way that we had to create it was to make it a logical flow so that's why it's said based on a true life story so that people could logically understand what was happening but in the ending parts of the chapters of the book I was actually living that in my life at the time and so every week something would be happening in my transformation and in the end I don't want to ruin it for everyone but in the ending scene that scene actually happened to me in my sitting area and it was just it was such a gift and so I I think that's what comes across in the story so much is that this is a real person experiencing something that is universal universal everyone can feel it When I do book clubs, then I'll say, okay, how many people have read the book? And they'll raise their hand and I'll say, so how many people saw themselves? And oh, everyone will raise their hand. And then I say, how many people saw their mother? And I get a lot of hands. And I've also got readers who have said, I understand my mother so much better now.
0: Yes. Because it's, uh, so I I recognize myself, but uh, yeah, you, you're so right. And I think it's about, there's that, you know, you, you describe the, the, the woman, you no, know, so it's like our, it's also about our place as women in, in a very, in very patriarchal societies, right? And, mm-hmm. and all the expectations that come with, being a woman right so so i i i really resonated in so many ways but it's just uh you know one of the things i wanted to to mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to find some of the quotes that i loved in particular because obviously what i love about what you've done in the book is that the messages are in italics, right where it's all for us to to uh remember um and I, I, I love this one in particular. So I'll read it just so that so our listeners can can... Happiness is not an external object. It's an internal anchor that no one can uproot once you have grounded yourself in your soul's purpose. And once you've let go of your guilt, when you give yourself the permission to be you, you are in control. And that really resonated with me because... That source purpose and that letting go of the guilt. Yeah. That's been, that's been really like the story of, of my life. Um, so do you want to, for the listener, um, you know, our source purpose? That seems really big and, and mm. massive, right? And quite overwhelming for some people. So, and and you know, there's there's also about like divine discontent, wasn't that what you mentioned, right? That just makes us restless. So do you wanna talk about that? Cause I think, I feel that would be really useful for people. I think sometimes I sense that a lot of our young people feel that divine discontent much more than, I guess we, I did at their age. Or maybe it's not that I didn't feel it, it's just that they, they're they much much less willing to, to not go and explore. Whereas we were, I, I don't know about you, but I was probably happier to just comply more with what society expected of, of me. Um, yeah. And I just sense with, even with my own two boys, that they're much less willing to compromise or to just not feel that divine discontent and to just go, no, this is not for me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah.
1: So to unpack soul's purpose and divine discontent, you have to go back to childhood and you're in education, you know, that right around third grade, things start to shift, right? <laughs> Up until third grade, everybody's our friend, everything's fun and easy. But around third grade, we start realizing we have to fit in. We have to be accepted. And so we let go of what we really want to do and we embrace what everyone else is telling us is the right way to do it. And that is that divine discontent that happens. So you're on this path and your path was let's just say climate change. But everyone in your family or around you said, oh no, you must be a doctor like your father before you and your father's father before him. And this is what you must do. And so you become successful as a doctor and somewhere in life, you start to break down. And this is that midlife crisis kind of thing that we talk about and you're successful but you're not happy. You're not fulfilled. You have all this guilt. It's like, why am I not content with all this that I have achieved? And that's that divine discontent. Your soul is speaking to you and saying, this is not why you're here. You are here for more. And that's when you start searching for that soul's purpose. And that's when this journey really begins. And it's scary, because what happens is, and what happened for me is, hugely successful in industry, an applied scientist, right? And I came home and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And my husband said, well, you can't quit. You make too much money. We have too much debt. We have a home. We have things. The kids need things. You can't. And what do I do? Okay. And I push it back down until finally it just explodes. And when we don't understand that this is happening to us, this is when marriages end. This is when people look towards suicide. This is when addictions start because they just don't know what's happening to them. Because from the outside looking in, they should be really content but because they're not on their soul's purpose, they're complex and worried and stressed, and that's how a lot of disease starts. Is when you're not on your soul's purpose. Hmm.
0: No, and <laughs> I, and I, yes, yes, and it's so. Also, I think it's another thing you say in the book. Is it's it's not like the all the amazing things that we have in our life, right? I'm paraphrasing here, Brett it's the, you know, the, the, the success of what we're being taught is, you know, to be happy, I'll be happy when, so, you know, get the job, get the degree, get the qualification, you know, you'll be happy then when you've got that, get the money, and then, you know, hedonic treadmill, so we adapt to more money, and we want more money, and all of those things, right, and yet, you know, COVID for me has really showed me this, and, and you know, again, you say that in the book, is that, is that it's not actually all of those success so for me I was on the hamster wheel and I was constantly going and doing I'll be happy when and then I got there and I was like no it's still not that all right on to the next thing no it's still not that and then he's like I've got the master's now I'll go and look for the PhD and he's like okay um and then I was like, oh no, I don't think I want a PhD. So I'll go and look for a better job and more money. And you know, and it still wasn't that. And then with COVID, suddenly, obviously, we were forced in our homes, right? And we we are very lucky that you know I know that it's it's a position of privilege. We love at each other's company in our uh, family, yeah. um, but there's those small real like meaningful moments, like going for a run with my eldest or walking the dog or, you know, speaking with my friend on the phone. And, and I don't know whether you agree with that, but society is not saying these things. It's not saying, go and find the meaningful moments.
1: Well, see, what happened, and again, so our journey starts at childhood, but society's journey goes back hundreds of years where as a society, as a civilization, we felt we had to strive and to strive, we had to compete and to compete, we had to conquer. And these have become our social conditionings. And so for a civilization to survive, there are certain energies that build and um, produce and move things forward. So this is the evolution. Well, we as a human race have reached a point where it is no longer required for us to strive and conquer and overcome. It is now the time of the feminine energy. And I don't mean male, female. I mean the feminine energy, which is compassion, co-creating, collaborating. That is the energy that will heal our civilization that will heal our world and will take us into the next 100, 200, 300 years. That's what's happening. And so this awakening that is happening is causing people stress because on one hand they look and they say, these are the archetypes of the past, and this is what I'm supposed to be. But what are those archetypes of the future that we are creating? Even think about it in education. We've gone from sit down, raise your hand, memorize, to how do you become a team? How do you collaborate with someone? How do you innovate something new? That's the shift. And that's what's not being talked about enough is What does a perfect day look like? For me, when I was at the height of my success, it was packing a suitcase, getting to an airplane, flying all over the country, doing 60 presentations in one year and barely seeing my family, but making a lot of money and being very well known. To me now, that sounds so sad. But in the moment, it was so important. Now, my perfect day is rising without an alarm clock, looking out the window and seeing the sun or the rain or the clouds, having coffee with my husband, enjoying my cats, knowing that I will inspire someone today, that I have coaching clients, And I have events that I participate in. Some days are busier than other days, but I control it. I say no to things that don't make me joyful anymore. And then I have my meditation, my green tea, my journaling. And at the end of the day, there is no tally that says I've put in 18 hours and I've done X number of documents and there's none of that. There is this sense of someone wrote me today and said, I made a difference. I just something I shared and I know I make a difference. That's all there is. It's that moment of I've got to talk to my daughter yesterday. I got to walk outside. I got to sit and do nothing and just think and relish in life. Think about the two energies that I just described to you. Hectic, hurried, stressful, that life, my previous life caused me to be diagnosed with a stroke. And I was scared So scared because if I couldn't think, how could I be successful? How could I add value if I wasn't me? When in fact, I didn't even know the me that sits in front of you today that is speaking to you. I didn't know that woman, she was hidden. And now she she has no fear. I don't fear death. I don't fear any challenge because I know I have found my purpose and I know what I bring to the table. And that's the beauty of this journey. When you start to awaken, everything doesn't come to you right away. So in the story, the woman still struggles, right? And she still has to overcome. We are not looking for a happiness nirvana monk on the side of a hill. That's not the destination. The destination is a balance inside of you that think about this ability that even in a storm, you are calm. Even in um, a party that everyone is exhilaratingly happy, you are calm. You are not affected by what is happening around you because you have found you.
0: yeah yes yes and so so like many goosebumps when you were talking so to me um one of the thing I talk about about around education and need for change that's of the way I would describe it is this um this idea that I think the pendulum has swung so far the other way in a sense that we now are looking at power and personal power. So, you know, power being all about attainment, achievements, you know, resilience, that's all of those things. And I think we've completely forgotten. So um, that's gonna link so beautifully with the other comments I wanted to to give about like our connection. So I recently posted or, or commented to, uh, I think it was in a conversation with Alan, where I just said, you know, our children, if we want our children to fly off the nest, we want them to be this bird that fully fledged with two wings. And I said to Alan, for me, it's like the the one wing, um, which is the, the right wing of like power and attainment and, you know, uh, uh, personal achievement, fulfilling your, your full potential, you know, that's really needed. The other link to the left and to your heart, which is love, wisdom, you know, all of those things. And then when you you really tap into those, you can just tap once and soar. And Alan said to me, what bird would that be? And I said, well, it has to be my favorite bird, an eagle, right? And I really could really see this image. And I was adding to Alan how, you know, I think the problem is obviously clearly I see birds with one wing really developed and the other not developed at all and they can't fly you know you can imagine and then I said that and and you posted on LinkedIn this video of the soaring eagle Eagle. Um, and I'd also um, because I work with metaphors and quite I'm quite visual like that I also another point had mentioned about life and saying that I often spoke to parents and young people and say you know, life is a little bit like a, a wave and surfing the waves of life and that you surf and you think that you're going to surf. You can't just be like flatlined, happy and all the time surfing that wave. Sometimes you've got to be under the water, under the wave. And again, on LinkedIn, you posted this young man who went on the, on the water and like literally displayed or explained so I often joke because it's like, it's like you've got the ability to illustrate through videos, my metaphors. So I love it. Um, uh, oh,
1: well, let me, if I may make a, a comment about that, you know, um, just a mere 90 days ago, I had a thousand followers. And this week I'll go over 20,000 followers.
0: 100.
1: And what I've learned is we think to get people to pay attention, we should tell them all about ourselves, right? Look at me, look what I've done, look at what I can give you, look at, look at, look at, look at, right? But what I have learned through this experience on LinkedIn is that when you allow others a safe space to see themselves, that's what they appreciate because there's millions of people that can help you. Just look around, you can see all the marketing and all the hype that you can find people. But the reality is you have to know how to help yourself. And all those little videos and what I write about those little videos are seeds to say, you're enough. You've got what it takes. You can do this. Just trust yourself. And that's what you're seeing in those. I've, I've had thousands of people come to me and say, oh my God, I needed that so much today. Oh my goodness, that looks just like my father when I was a young child and I haven't thought of him in years. Thank you for helping me find my father today. Who knows that you're gonna do that? And, and but I give myself standards. I never post anything that is violent. I never post anything that is um, sarcastic. I never post anything that blows up or that is damaging or that is harmful because there's enough of that. If you want to find that, you can find it. I only post things that bring forward that inner strength that people can see themselves just like the woman in the story you can see yourself in each one of those little videos, so I love that that you mentioned that.
0: Yes, it's awesome. So go go and obviously connect with BJ Jackson because she just, you know, um, the joy joy um, um, owl. owl. Yeah, joy joy owl. Um, just beautiful, just beautiful scenery. So go and and take her out. And I think what I also love and again that's an, a beautiful transition is. You talk a lot about love, and a lot of you know. So, so that shift, that feminine energy, and that shift into the love, tapping into the the, the love. So, that I always when I when I think of a, one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King Jr., I always think of you. So, you know, uh, power without love is reckless and abusive. Love without power is uh, yeah, anemic and sentimental, and so that leads me beautifully onto the other book that you have written, which is one of a kind. Okay, so um and and the little um, pins that you sent me, because what I I when I heard you talk about you know the the different energy and the shift in paradigm and the fact that we need to approach so i so agree with you that the the current societal constructs but also the education system is built on this message that says to our young people you've got to compete you're on your own It's doggy dog it's um you know like really you you you, the others are your competitors and you've got to get one over them otherwise you won't be successful and that breeds that fear of failure, perfectionism, you know, the opposite of everything you described. And so one of the things I often say is we need to shift the paradigm. So, you know, all of that is our grandparents and great grandparents economy and and paradigm and ma- mindset. We need to move to our children and uh, great grandchildren's economy world and economy which will be about being kind and caring and considerate I believe right and I see even with my my two I've raised them with if you can be anything be kind so this is the principle and I and I see them live and experience that you know that's who they are but their friends are not like them particularly male friends because it's that you've got to be mean and no and this book for children no so uh Sophie Wanderlin and is that how you say her name Wanderlin? Sophie G
1: Wanderlin so a wanderer in German is an adventurer and Sophie means wisdom so she is a wisdom adventurer
0: amazing and then one in, one of a kind and and it really promotes for children all of those being a one of a kind adventurer uh and and this uh, sort of everyday event, adventure in kindness right mm-hmm. so talk us through this book and and you <laughs> know because i i just feel like there's there's this book for for the adults to become a bit of a you know more connected to their own wisdom tapping their own wisdom but also for for our children so do you want to talk us through through the book sure so
1: so sophie g wonderland is my second book my first book was called um adventure day one seven strategies when life's journey gets rough and Those seven strategies were what my husband used in his first journey with leukemia, and we sort of wrote the book together. And of course, your first book is always, oh, it'll be an amazing bestseller kind of thing, right? But what I realized is that it was a love letter to him because it has letters from the family um, while he was in the hospital, and in fact, even Adventure Day 1, so think about in 2002, we didn't have everybody have a smartphone computer kind of thing. He had to go to the nurse's station and say, I'd like to send an email to my family that I've been admitted for leukemia treatment. And when he started to write, the subject line was adventure day one. And so I had been being um, mentored by publishers and publishing companies with my first book and one day, it was in a September, I got this tweet that said, if you want to change the future, write a children's book. And I thought, wow, what if I took the seven strategies that he used to overcome cancer to actually apply it to a child? Because if we don't start early, how are we supposed to be positive and engaging and kind as an older person? So that was the, the idea. And it was, um, I wrote it out. I, so I had the seven strategies and I put them up there and I drew this crazy little girl wearing rainbow socks with big curly red hair. And Sophie is wisdom and, um, Wonderland is, the German for wanderer, journeyer, adventurer kind of thing. And so that became um, the name. And G, we'll talk for another time, that's a special story on why her initial is is G. So I put this together and it wasn't a short period of time later that my husband got sick for his second round of leukemia. So we go into the hospital and I start drawing all of this on the walls so that I had something to do. And he would push the button for a nurse to come in and the nurse would come in and they'd say, how's Sophie doing today? And my husband would say, I'm the one that needs help over here. You can let her story sit, right? Um, And so even a couple of the characters in the book are based on nurses in the book. And so what this does is it's seven little stories and it follows the um, colors of the rainbow. And red is kindness to self and orange is kindness through sharing. Yellow is kindness through helping hands. Green is kindness through love. Blue is kindness through your words. Indigo is kindness through your intuition, knowing right from wrong. And violet is kindness through your big ideas, that you have the wisdom that can change the world. And so a couple of the things that I wanted Sophie to do, and my publisher wasn't really happy with it. One was I wanted it to be a big book so that little ones could sit behind it. And and it was like bigger than life to them. So that's why it's a big hardback book. I wanted it to be full of color. So it's um, it's a picture book. three to five-year-olds but it's an early reader for five to eight-year-olds so it's sort of not most books don't try to hit both (laughs) but i thought it's one book let's try to get everybody engaged right and um and the other thing was big ideas so in each of the little segment stories sophie has an issue and then she gets this big idea and that's just what she does And I have read to over 3000 children across the United States where I get them to be all excited and I have a cheer around the colors of kindness and the kids just love it. And what two things that came out of the journey with the children, one was that um, the third grade experience. So I usually read to pre-K, kindergarten up to third grade Well, this one year I was in, um, asked to come in to speak in May to the rising third graders. And um, in the story, uh, Sophie has, um, she's watching the sunrise and her mom's not there. And so she decides that she wants to draw the sunrise. And so I, I took a moment and I said, so where do you think her mom is? And two little boys in the back of the room said, ah, she's probably dead. And so I thought, oh, that's a new one for me. So I I didn't, you know, I didn't acknowledge it. I just went on. And then when we get to Indigo, knowing right from wrong, Sophie is building, um, it's her turn to take a snack to school and there's just enough cupcakes for everyone. And the challenge she has is whether she will eat the one and not take it. And so I said, so what do you think Sophie does? Same two little boys in the back of the room said, oh, she eats it. And I thought, what is going on at this age level? I've never had any class have anyone speak out like that. Now it could be random to the two children in the class, but I think I started, well, I don't think, I started doing research and that's the time when people children start learning about standing out, making a scene, being noticed, how do you do that, and you do it through this sense of shock and awe, right? The other thing that I got from the children was the fourth and fifth graders loved Sophie's story, but it was sort of younger than their age group, So the schools started saying, well, could you do something? Could you develop something for the fourth and fifth graders because your your message is so important. So I came up with something that's called what color is your life? And for fourth and fifth graders, I use the same seven levels and the same color scheme and the same kindness ideas, but I've aligned it with career paths. And so when I come in and I say, what type of kindness do you like doing the most? They lean in and they think, oh, well, I like to share, or I like to give compliments, or I always have these big ideas around doing things for animals or the planet, or right? And so when they identify a color, then I say, well, you know, if um, you like giving compliments and you like being kindness with your words, you might make a really good journalist or a teacher or, you know, and we go on and on. And then they're like, well, can I be more than one color? Yes, you can be more than one color. My dad's an engineer. What color is he? So they start thinking about my job is how I want to be kind to the world, how I want to give back to the world rather than Oh, I've been asked this a million times. I don't know, just tell me what I'm supposed to be so you'll stop asking me. And I think that's the shift that we have to encourage our children to take is you have this one heartbeat that you have been given to make your life what it's supposed to be. The one person that knows is you, no one else. Now they can give you insight and they can give you advice, but until you choose your life and what it means to you, you will continually struggle, whether you are a child, a young adult or a mature adult. We were all born perfect and complete. We are trained to dislike ourselves to think we're not enough and that we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing
0: yeah so true i was saying to a friend on sunday evening how imagine if we taught our children um you know that in education there's this concept of uh you you know children are empty empty vessels that you've got to fill in right with your knowledge so like the old paradigm which is i'm the sage on the stage and i'm gonna fill you up mm-hmm. with my knowledge right and i just said imagine if we just stopped that you're just an empty vessel full stop
1: mm-hmm.
0: create from that space you decide you're the blank (laughs) slate and you decide how you 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 allow the life to unfold and come through you Mm -hmm. imagine the gift right rather than just inputting all the beliefs and uh Mm -hmm. the
1: constructs and and you know it's, it's interesting the work that i've done on myself um trying to understand my social conditionings as a child my mother always told me i could do anything i wanted to do but I never believed it. There's a a disconnect between what the adults around you tell you and what you believe about yourself. And I think that the, the core, the critical essence of helping our children is to encourage them to trust themselves. Because we are imprinted with what we need to know. Now, yes, there's education that we need. You're not born a brain surgeon or an astronaut, but you are born complete with the DNA of what you are supposed to accomplish here. And it's not striving, it's thriving, right? In in the work, both with the children and with the adults, I use these seven narratives and it's based on the the seven levels of personal development, levels of consciousness. We are defaulted at safety, right? Safety and security, right? And then how do we achieve? And then how do we belong? And until you can get hold of that, you are stuck in that cycle. It's very um, compressed and, and contracted, right? And you just, you're miserable doesn't mean that you're not successful but you're not growing in your personal development level four is transformation in the color sequence it's green it's love it's learning to love yourself and accept yourself once you have accomplished that you start to let go of your ego and your soul starts to get louder for you to hear and then you raise up into being in service and being in your purpose and helping humanity, right? So when we think about um, Maslow's hierarchy, right? That's a very old model, but um, it, it still rings true when you stop and think about all the other models that have been made since it. I um, support Richard Barrett's model of consciousness, right? Where we actually grow through these And they're important. Safety and achieving things, having a purpose and belonging in a community are so valuable to our psyche. But many of us get locked into that level and never come out. And it's that self-love. That was, for me, the hardest thing to learn. I was always last on my list. Why would I need help? Even the woman in the book says, why would I go to a woman's only retreat? I don't need to be a woman. I need to be successful. Where does that come from, right? This woman sitting in front of you now says, how crazy is that that I felt that way? But millions of women feel that way. I'm not supposed to take up space. I'm supposed to disappear. I'm not supposed to be vocal. I'm just supposed to do my job. And we have to break that pattern. And we start by breaking it with children by saying it's okay for you to be nervous and excited and you know and not sit in your seat, okay? Let's figure out how we can go outside or go to the gym or let's do a walking session. Looks like everybody needs to get out of their seat. Instead of you must obey and you must sit still and you must be what I tell you to be. Why are we not surprised that we had young adults and middle-aged people lost and unhappy? Yeah. They were conditioned to be in the box and, and they want out of the box but they don't even know how to ask. So when we do this with children at very young ages, and I mean, I get this a lot from people. How can you help adults and children? Isn't it like one area or the other of specialty? But the reality is, it's this evolution of being loving, kind, and respectful to yourself and to others. And yes, there are adults that need that because they didn't grow up with it. But why are we not starting with the children? If you want to change the future, write a children's book and that's just what I did
0: <laughs> yes and and did well you you did my friend it's just beautiful and I love also you sent me these this little pouch with these oh. pins, right um that says on it you know adventure and kindness so I don't know what I've been inspired or felt inspired to do is every every morning I pull one out and i i decided so today was was red oh um and so you know red is obviously kindness towards self yes so uh you know this is what i've been practicing today so reminding myself about being kind um you know to to myself and my self esteem which has been an area that i have to uh remember um but because actually one of the things that I learned as a child is that when the adults and particularly the men in the room say one thing, you crawl back under your rock. Mm. You know that's that's how I learned. so i'm I'm slowly learning to just, well, no, actually I have a voice I have a say and and that's okay, right? Um, is that how they were intended or or? Mm-hmm. So, so the, you know,
1: everybody has sort of a tagline and, um, Sophie's tagline is find a way to be kind today. And that's the cheer that I do with the children. And they put their hands up like this They find a way, find a way, find a way to be kind today. And then they go through all the colors. So what those pins are, and I give them out at the schools is that they can do a kindness commitment and they can pick a color. And then they go off and do that, and then they get to come back and tell the class that they were kind to themselves. They took a nap when they needed it, or they took a break, or um, you know, they uh, drank water to keep them healthy. You know, those kind of things. Um, I told myself I was okay. You know, those types of things. And um, and it's a really great conversation for children and their their parents or their adults is that you know, they can say in the morning, okay, Fabian, pick a, pick a heart. Okay. This is, oh, it's green. Okay. That's love. So today, everything is about love. So while you go to school, you practice love kindness. And when I go to work, I'll practice love kindness. And then when we get home tonight and we have dinner, we'll talk about what we did for the day. Great conversation because if the child comes home and says, I tried, but nobody wanted to play with me. Oh, that's an insight. Or I tried it and they made fun of me. Oh, that's another insight. Or Sally really loved it. She said that she and her mom do that too. Oh, well, Sally is somebody we definitely wanna invite over for a play date. So it gives the adult an idea of what's going on without saying, So how was your day? (laughs) Because the answer usually is pine.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I just, yeah, so, so lovely and so, so empowering. And, and for the adults, so you were saying, you know, and this is also the message here, right, about loving ourselves and moving from the, from those that, the, beyond the safety security sense of belonging to the self-actualization and the love right um because because very often people say to me but you know self-love is really selfish so um this this idea of that looking after so i i use the analogy of of putting your own oxygen mask on um and the need to, yeah, the, the the need to, sometimes you need time out. So for me, if I need time out, I go for a walk in the, in the countryside. That's what I, how I, you know, the minute I enter the woods, I feel like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm, <laughs> I'm reconnected and breathing, but because in childhood we are taught not to, you know, you're not the center of the universe and, you know, the world doesn't evolve around you or other statements that we often hear, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you, would be your message to people um, who, who struggle with that aspect of self-love? Because sometimes it's seen as being e- egotistical slightly, like... Um... So there is a difference between... Um
1: self-love and selfish, okay? Um, Self-love is this evolution after you have um, mastered safety and security, understand where you sit with your achievements and and that you belong in this world, right? So those are struggles that the ego takes us through. Self-love is this inner conversation. I am perfectly okay the way I am. It is not a conversation that you have with others. I'm not doing this today for you because I'm more important. Ah, that's ego talking. That is not self-love talking, okay? So the the division is self-love is an internal relationship with yourself. You are the most important person you will ever meet in your entire life, and you are the only person you will spend your entire life with. So learning who you are and loving yourself for who you are is a relationship with yourself. It is not about, I'm going to buy a car because I deserve it. Okay, that's not self-love, that's selfish, right? There's a difference between this external experience and this internal experience. It's a relationship that you're having with yourself. And it feels guilty because so many people need your time and attention. And when you feel guilty about saying, no, I'm I'm not gonna do that tonight. I am gonna go on a walk. Oh, well, that's selfish. No, it's not. If you want me to be the best mom I can be, I need to go on a walk. What you also do is you are showing by example to others in your family that self-love is not a selfish experience. It's a healthy experience. Because when you love yourself, you take care of yourself. You give yourself time to rejuvenate, to rest and to have playful moments that give you that joy, this is not selfish. You have to divide those two thinkings. Who is here to take care of you? But you, and you can't place it upon others. Because that's another conversation that can cause detriment. Because if you expect others to build your happiness, then you've got another lesson to learn there as well, maybe for another conversation. (laughs) But you have to, and and from personal experience, that was the last leg of my transformation to truly love myself enough to say no to things that looked shiny and bright and what I was told I should do. And even as we grow and transform, challenges will still enter our life. You have to say to yourself, is this moving my soul's purpose forward? And no matter how good it looks or how much you think everyone wants you to do something, if it's not moving your soul's purpose forward, have the courage to say, no, that's self-love. Beautiful.
0: Wow. I could talk to you for hours, Vijay, you know, it's just sensational. And, and, yes, and, and yeah, so, so true, you know, you are, you are, that positive energy that you bring is like life-changing, so thank you, thank you so much. What a, what a sensational human being you are, thank you. Well,
1: thank you, love. We are all brilliant, and some are, what do you say, flowers or trees? They've come out, right? And we are blooming in our authentic selves. Yes. And some are still in their seeds, covered with mud and turmoil. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. And everyone has the ability to be that brilliance that they were born to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Thank you so much. I, um, I always ask my desk, my, my get desk, my guest, sorry, um, before we finish. Um, if there was one thing you would want our listeners to take away from this conversation, what would it be for you
1: Trust yourself. You know more than you realize. When you sit in silence and you listen to your soul, your journey is laid out for you and you don't really have anything to worry about.
0: (laughs) Amazing, thank you so much, PJ.
1: Uh, thank you, Fabian. I loved this time together. I'm so excited, and I I can't wait to hear what your guests thought of our conversation and ideas that they
0: might have to share with us too. Yes, I'll put all of your details so you know. Get in touch with PJ and contact her on LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. You can also reach me via Twitter at FlourishingHe on LinkedIn or you can join our private Facebook group, Flourishing Education. All the links are easily available on anchor.fm. Thank you so much. And I hope you are flourishing. Bye for now.